Hello all and welcome to another episode of Resistance Radio with me, Majid Nawaz, and today it's just not cricket. We're discussing the alleged regime change in Pakistan, alleged by none other than its own former Prime Minister, the cricket hero Imran Khan. So what precisely is going on? Well, to, to bring you up to date, I've given you a background to, to, to the context of the situation and then uh, what exactly has happened, and then my analysis as to what I think is going uh, is going to happen next. It's important to remember on point one, Pakistani realignment, that uh, since Pakistan gained independence in 1947, not a single Pakistani prime minister has completed a full five-year term in office. And despite the fact that Imran Khan, the out well, I say outgoing, the prime minister that's just been deposed, Imran Khan did manage to beat the historic two-party system in Pakistan to come to power, but he has proven no exception to this notion that no single Pakistani prime minister has ever completed a full five-year term in office. Last week, Imran Khan was duly uh, deposed through a motion of no confidence, but what he's alleged is that this was a Biden admin US State Department backed regime change operation to punish him for visiting Putin and for his refusal uh, to agree to US foreign policy demands vis-a-vis Ukraine. Is there any substance to what Imran Khan has alleged? Well, this is what today's Resistance Radio is about. First up, it's important to remember, still in point one, but subsection one now, that Imran Khan did actually visit Putin on the day that Putin's forces rolled into Ukraine. Early March, Imran Khan was in Moscow. Two countries, uh, formerly the USSR and Pakistan, have historically had a strained relationship due to the uh, USSR's invasion of Afghanistan in the 80s. But certainly since the end of the Cold uh, War and the end of the war on terror and the defeat of the US and its uh, allies in Afghanistan, uh, Pakistani-Russian ties have uh, improved somewhat. And there Al Jazeera for you put in the Radical Dispatch publishes with the headline, Pakistani PM Khan meets Putin amid Ukraine invasion. Now, the second uh, sub-point is that after that visit, There was a vote at the UN to condemn Russia. But uh, when that time came for that vote, Pakistan abstained. It remained neutral in that motion to criticize Russia at the UN. But uh, Western former allies of Pakistan were much disturbed by this development. They expressed, uh, quite openly expressed, in fact, condemnation. And in an unprecedented move, 22 diplomatic missions in Islamabad issued an open letter urging Pakistan to condemn Russia at the UN. Imran Khan responded by bemoaning this intervention and uh, claiming that they are not. Pakistan is not a slave of the West. I've, pr- I've published his quotes there for you from the Times of London uh, newspaper report that uh, Imran Khan asks, uh, are we your slaves? And uh, in that context, of course, and his visit to Putin, it's important to keep all of this in mind when considering how and why the PM who had only three years in office, was deposed three years out of a five-year term. Well, after this, after his visit to Moscow and after Pakistan's refusal to vote at the UN, interestingly and curiously, in a strange twist, none other than Bill Gates decided to visit Pakistan. This was his first ever visit to the country, and he was received by none other than the president of Pakistan, President Alvi. Now, one wonders that why Bill Gates would choose this particular time in the middle of a war, in the middle of Western allied uh, disenfranchisement or discontent with Pakistan's lack of condemning of Russia in the UN, why suddenly Bill Gates would decide for the first time to visit Pakistan. 
I mean, tourism in Pakistan since at least the war on terror hasn't been the primary interest of Western visitors. What was Bill Gates doing there? Now, you won't find the answer to that in any official statement, but it is uh, important to keep that in mind when continuing in the context of what led to, the, to, to Imran Khan being uh, deposed. It is important also to note that Bill, Go- Bill Gates' role in the now uh, uh, infamously termed Great Research Agenda is known. Moving to sub point four within the first point here in the uh, radical dispatch, uh, it's also important to keep in mind that last year, Axios reports the Pakistan uh, or the PM was directly asked by their journalist, will Pakistan allow for uh, American CIA bases, CIA bases in fact were named in this interview, to operate from Pakistan across the border into Afghanistan. Have a listen to what Imran Khan said last year, because again, this provides interesting context to the current moves that led to Imran Khan being deposed as Pakistani PM. Have a listen to this. Will you allow the American government to have CIA here in Pakistan uh, to conduct cross-border counter-terrorism missions against al-Qaeda, ISIS, or the Taliban? Absolutely not. There's no way we're going to allow any basis, uh, any sort of action from Pakistani territory. uh, Absolutely not. So there you heard it for yourselves. All of this, his visit to Russia, uh, their refusal to vote against Russia at the United Nations, and Imran Khan's point-blank refusal to allow for CIA bases to operate from Pakistan, all of it provides very useful context to what happened next. Do you think it was something he said? Moving to sub point five within the first point, punishing Pakistan. Now, the culmination of all of the above has led certainly to Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova deeming that Pakistan was indeed being punished. The Times of India report headline is therefore you in the radical dispatch. US sought to punish disobedient Imran Khan, colon, Russia. The Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova said on the 4th of April, and I've quoted the Times of India report there for you, the further development, she said, of the situation leaves no doubt that the United States decided to punish the disobedient Imran Khan. This is another attempt, it continues, at shameless interference by the US in the internal affairs of an independent state for its own selfish purposes. The above facts eloquently testify to this. The Prime Minister of the Islamic Republic of Pakistan himself has repeatedly stated that the conspiracy against him is inspired and financed from abroad. That's reported by the Times of India, quoting the Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova. Now, moving to point two, how did Imran Khan get into power in the first place and who's replaced him. Now, this context is important to understand how the end of Pakistan's historic two-party oligopoly came about. Well, this relates, of course, to the uh, Panama Papers, which when leaked, millions of uh, papers and pages worth of information about the political corruption and how Pakistan's two-party dynasty had been uh, storing all of their ill-gotten gains offshore that were basically funds stolen from the Pakistani people. Now, the leaks, the Panama paper leaks, changed everything inside Pakistan in terms of political debate. And as the New York Times reports, as is the headline in the Radical Dispatch here for you, how the Panama papers changed Pakistani politics. It led to the downfall of then-PM Nawaz Sharif, leader of the Pakistani Muslim League, 
Uh, it led eventually to his imprisonment and barring from holding public office. But it also damaged the other Pakistani party, Benazir Bhutto's former, the late Benazir Bhutto's former party, the PPP. None of them escaped public anger from these allegations of corruption. And it was off the back of these Panama Papers and subsequently the Pandora Papers that Imran Khan rode to power and stayed in power. Uh, these leaks benefited Imran Khan because for many years he'd been campaigning on the back of ending corruption, which was something that many Pakistanis believed could never be done. Uh, such was the corruption in that country. Anyone who has any connection to Pakistan will be aware of just how corrupt the country is. Uh, but uh, these papers did eventually lead to the rise of Imran Khan as PM. But the two-party corrupt cartel or oligopoly uh, never forgave him. And they uh, in, instead sought revenge. Now, in an unprecedented move, what they did, and this is, of course, fearing their further loss of power and fearing justice that would be coming for them, they formed a national umbrella of parties in, a, in an attempt to oust PM Khan. The opportunity that came to do so, of course, was his visit to Moscow during the Ukraine war and his motion, his abstention from the motion uh, in, at the UN. How they did it? was they filed a motion of no confidence against Imran Khan in the Pakistani parliament. But Imran Khan sought to outwit them by dissolving his government and instead calling a national election. Now, he did that because he was confident that by calling a national election, the Pakistani public would see just who these corrupt oligarchs were, just how complicit they were in stashing their ill-gotten gains in offshore accounts as the Panama and Pandora papers had leaked, and just how in bed they are with foreign interests in the Biden administration. So by calling an election and dissolving his government before the parliamentary motion of no confidence could be put against him, Imran Khan called their bluff and instead was comfortable in the idea that the Pakistani public would return him to office with a comfortable majority. But there was no way the opposition, now an umbrella of both corrupt political parties, um, as revealed in the Panama and Pandora Papers, there's no way they were going to allow that. So they went to the Supreme Court with a peculiar move, asking the Supreme Court to reinstate a prime minister who had just resigned so that instead of elections, they could vote in a motion of no confidence against him in Parliament and install their own man or woman as prime minister to replace him without a national election. We were in the curious position that the opposition of Pakistani uh, of, of in, in Pakistan's parliament wanted to reinstate the prime minister only so that they could get rid of him themselves while maintaining the formulation of, of Pakistan's parliament. The Supreme Court decided to grant the opposition's request, reinstated the PM, and the motion of no confidence against Imran Khan succeeded. And what happened next was flabbergasting. The brother of the banned prime minister who had been sent to jail, Nawaz Sharif, his brother of the Pakistani Muslim League, his brother's name was Shahbaz Sharif, was installed as prime minister. This is the same brother, by the way, who was also implicated in the leaks that I spoke about uh, uh, in the Pandora and Panama Papers leaks. In fact, I've quoted here for you in the Radical Dispatch from Pakistan's Dawn newspaper about these leaks, and it states eight offshore companies were reported to have links with the family of Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif and his brother, Chief Minister of Punjab, Shahbaz Sharif. Shahbaz is now the PM in Pakistan, and this is how a US-friendly but corrupt political dynasty was returned to power in Pakistan, um, and that the corruption allegations, including those that implicated the new PM, could be parked. This is precisely how the internal palace coup occurred. 
How Imran Khan has, has, has responded to this is point three. He's responded by alleging regime change. Uh, he has even gone so far as to name those who are implicated in this regime change and swearing that he will continue to campaign uh, against them and to name them. Now, this, the, immediately what he did is he called a press conference and addressed the Pakistani nation. The speech is in Urdu. Um, so I have provided a translation for everybody in the Radical Dispatch, but also the translation I provide, I confirm that the meaning of this translation uh, is correct because the translation was kindly provided by a Twitter user. Uh, however, I having also, of course, speaking audible, confirm that the translation you see there is correct. What Imran Khan shockingly alleged to the nation uh, is that um, that the uh, that uh, the U.S. ambassador, sorry, the, a U.S. official at the State Department, the uh, uh, Undersecretary for South and Central Asia, called Donald Liu, had summoned the Pakistani ambassador to uh, D.C. And had threatened him that if Pakistan did not change its policy towards Ukraine and American foreign policy interests, it would not be forgiven and that Imran Khan needs to be deposed. Imran Khan went to the airwaves in a press conference and revealed what he alleges is this threat of regime change. And he went and went further and even named Donald Liu, the uh, Undersecretary of State or U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for South and Central Asian Affairs. He named him as the person who issued this threat. In the Radical Dispatch, I've even... Uh, placed an article from India Ahead News with that information that Imran Khan has named Donald Liu, U.S. Assistant Secretary of South and Central Asian Affairs, as being a player in these regi regime change allegations. Geo News, Pakistan's Geo News reports PM Imran Khan discloses name of U.S. official who sent threat letter. And in fact, Qasim Khan Suri, uh, the PTI official who is a member for the Central Advisory Committee of Imran Khan's party, the Pakistani Tehriki Saf or PTI, and who was a deputy speaker in the National Assembly of Pakistan, um, he published confirmation from the Supreme Court that they received the top-secret diplomatic cable that was sent by the Pakistani ambassador in D.C. back to Islamabad, verifying that they were threatened by Donald Liu. This verification diplomatic cable has been, according to this PTI official, been submitted to the Pakistani Supreme Court. Nevertheless, the Pakistani Supreme Court still ruled to reinstate PM Imran Khan so a parliament could vote in a motion of no confidence and replace him with their own man, who ended up being the brother of the former deposed and imprisoned Prime Minister, uh, Shabar Sharif. And that document that the Supreme Court appears to have received, nobody knows why they didn't act on it. Now, this led then uh, to national protests. Imran Khan rallied his PTI supporters and there were huge protests. I've posted the video there, huge protests in Pakistan against what people are calling a foreign regime change plot and against what they're considering are the traitors in Pakistani institutions. None of these protests, by the way, appear to have been televised anywhere, true to form. And uh, the interesting to note is that the Pakistani army this time has stayed out of this particular drama. Traditionally, uh, they would have conducted a coup. As I say, no single government has ever completed a single term in office since the founding of the country. And in times like this, traditionally, the military steps in uh, to depose all civilian rule and restore order. But they've stayed out. They've abstained. And they've even appeared to criticize Imran Khan while also bemoaning the traditional oligarchs. Um, now, in fact, it appears that the current army chief, General Badra, wasn't in, fa in Imran Khan's favor, and Khan was about to replace him. 
And this current army chief, uh, uh, General Vajwa, even went so far while Imran Khan was prime minister to hold a, his own uh, public press conference, declaring that his country and his armed forces as chief of army staff indeed would support America's foreign policy objectives in Ukraine, while their own prime minister Imran Khan was stating that they would not support America's foreign policy objectives. There is something, therefore, with this current chief of army staff, General Bajwa, and it appears as if he's allied with the political oligopoly. And instead of siding with his prime minister, he sided with the opposition. Now, Pakistani pro-army commentator and analyst Zaid Hamid provides context to what might be going on here. And I'm going to translate the treat for you. Zaid Hamid, by the way, is a well-known Pakistani pro-army commentator, uh, long suspected and rumored to effectively be an army spokesperson. And this is what he said. He said Imran wanted General Faiz to be the next army chief. But at the same time, he stubbornly insisted that General Faiz should remain as chief of the Pakistanis' ISI, which is their military intelligence. This was impossible, Zaid Ahmed says. Unless a general has a core command, he cannot become army chief. And on this point, he had a sharp disagreement with General Bajwa and the army. So it appears as if Imran Khan was attempting to replace the Pakistani army chief. And so General Bajwa, the serving army chief, uh, sided with the opposition against Imran Khan, who was ostensibly siding with Pakistan's intelligence and security apparatus because the army chief, keep keep in mind, is a political appointee, just as the civilian opposition are. And it's political appointees that Imran Khan alleges have been corrupted by this process that's been ongoing historically in Pakistan, serving US foreign policy interests, as well as stashing ill-gotten gains in offshore accounts. Now, the US has denied any and all involvement in this alleged regime change, as they would, though reports from the Times indicate that not just Pakistan, but also India and Sri Lanka have faced similar opposition due to their abstention from voting uh, against Russia at the UN. Reuters reports, as I've uh, stated here for you in point four of the Radical Dispatch, subsection one, Reuters reports uh, that in the headline, Biden to Modi, Indian PM Modi. Buying more Russian oil is not in India's interests. But Bloomberg goes further, headlined, India to face significant cost if aligned with Russia, US says. And a quote from that piece, as covered by the Times of India, the US has told India that the consequences of a more explicit strategic alignment with Moscow would be significant and long term. And it's not just India that suffered in this way for not voting against Russia at the UN, so did Sri Lanka. The Hindu reports, Sri Lanka has strong diplomatic and trading ties with Russia, with the island nation exporting goods such as tea worth about $150 million annually. Russia has also consistently supported Sri Lanka at the UN Human Rights Council in resolutions on wartime accountability and wartime and post-war reconciliation. What happened? Well, as Dunya News reports, uh, translation, Sri Lanka, 41 government members join opposition, president loses majority. Yes, you heard it correctly. The Sri Lankan government also collapsed. Now, the Tamil Guardian reports that Sri Lanka has then been excluded from America's democratic summit. Sri Lanka is one of the few countries alongside China and Russia which have not been invited to participate in this summit, but Sri Lanka's woes went further. Their central bank was to get a new governor amid economic crisis. So their government collapsed and their central bank and their governor in their central bank was to be replaced. That's what happened to Sri Lanka, again, for appearing to side against America over Ukraine. 
And this has led to analysis such as this by the Times of Islamabad stating both Pakistan and Sri Lanka have become victim of U.S. regime change for backing Russia. International media report have provided that link, therefore, you in Radical Dispatch. And Pakistani PTI supporter Mir Muhammad Ali Khan has stated, unbelievable. Two countries refrain from voting against Russia invasion in UN, Sri Lanka and Pakistan. And, ladies and gentlemen, Sri Lanka government loses 41 parliamentarians today. Horse trading, exactly same as Pakistan. Need more proof of American meddling? This is what analysts are saying. This is the, com- the, the conclusion they've come to. So what is the future for Pakistan and Imran Khan? Point five. Well, Imran Khan has vowed to fight on. And he's pulling all his PTI members out of parliament. And he's turning these regime change allegations into a campaign issue for the next elections. He said Pakistan became an independent state in 1947, but the freedom struggle begins again today against the foreign conspiracy of regime change. It is always the people of the country who defend their sovereignty and democracy. That's Imran Khan's statement. He said, thank you to all Pakistanis for their amazing outpouring of support and emotions to protest against US-backed regime change abetted by local Mir Jafars. In other words, uh, let's call them, it's a a local slang uh, for those that are uh, native informants or house Negroes, whatever slang you want to use, uh, by local Mir Jafar to bring into power uh, a, a bunch of pliable crooks all out on bail. Shows Pakistanis at home and abroad have emphatically rejected this. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Right? One suspects that, like a bit like Trump in America, the deposed Khan will maintain very high levels of support among the Pakistani people while seeking to build his party, the PTI, from ground up off the back of these anti-corruption and anti-foreign interference campaigns. I suspect Imran Khan's ability to mobilize the public will remain through mass demonstrations serving as a prelude to his next election campaign. The order of events with Khan's refusal to allow CIA bases in Pakistan, his visit to Moscow on the eve of Ukraine's invasion, his country's abstention in the vote against Russia at the UN, Bill Gates' strangely timed first visit to Pakistan, don't forget that, and the existence of this diplomatic cable that it purports to show that that senior US State Department official Donald Liu threatened the country for defying America, all of this will no doubt galvanize huge public anger towards the United States of America inside Pakistan. It remains to be seen whether the cricketer can succeed in riding this public rage through a wave of protests, but something tells me this is not Imran Khan's last innings. Keep an eye out on this one, folks, because I suspect he's coming back. Who knows when, but I don't think this is the last we've heard from him. Thank you for tuning in. This is another episode of uh, Resistance Radio with me, Majid Nawaz. Please share this episode with anyone that you think will be interested. Give a gift subscription if you can and otherwise help promote this alternative source of media, because as you see, uh, this current turmoil in Pakistan is not in your front pages. The huge demonstrations and the uh, resistance there uh, to the corruption has not been televised. And no doubt, as these developments unfold, you will not hear about this in your news. Until next time, this is Majid Nawaz with another episode of Resistance Radio.